0: So up next, we have another story, don't we?
1: (laughs) Which one's this? What about your cash story? My cash story? Yeah. I've told told this one so many times. Let me see if I can uh, eke out another angle on it. Yeah. Which was doing some goetic magic to get some cash. Again, can you think of a more stupid reason for doing goetic magic? What did you need the cash for? It was some group chaos magic project that was underway that was doing some sort of wealth magic.
0: Wealth for the sake of wealth. Yeah,
1: so it wasn't even anything I particularly wanted. I was just doing it because it was a group thing and I felt I ought to participate. Already sounds demonic. Doesn't it? So, I called this particular entity, I can't remember which one it was now, but I know there's something in the description of this entity that says uh, he carries treasure from the houses of kings. Mm. And... The intention was simply to get some cash. So I did the working after the working. I think a day, two days later, not long. I go down to the health food shop to buy some stuff. I'm standing in the health food shop and the guy in front of me drops some money on the floor. And he feels it drop out of his pocket and he bends down and he picks it up and he puts it back in his pocket. But for some reason he misses most of the money that he's dropped and there's this like roll of cash, like a roll of 20s, just lying there on the floor. And I'm looking at this money, and it's as if everybody in the shop has gone into a weird sort of trance. Because the shop's not empty, there's a queue, there's people behind the till, there's people stuck in the shelves. So I bend down, and I pick up this cash. Nobody's seen me pick it up, you know, and I could have put it in my pocket, and nobody would have been any the wiser. But that's not what you do, is it? That would be Mm. a nasty, horrible thing to do. So I gave the money back to the guy. And it was only afterwards that it struck me you know, I'd done a working for some cash. Some cash had appeared. There was an opportunity to just take it, but I would have been stealing. You know, this entity carries treasure from the houses of kings. You know, steals, in other words. Yeah. And I realised that maybe I should have known better, that if I'm going to get money from a demon, you know, it's going to come with certain strings attached to it under certain circumstances. It's dodgy money. It's dirty money.
0: Mm. So what's interesting about that is that the result manifested in such a way that it became a case of what would you do whilst no one's watching. Yeah. And there's something there, isn't there, about the nature of the result being inseparable from the nature of the working. Mm that it carries the same flavour. I can think of another example from a slightly different angle that illustrates the same point. Okay. So this was a working that we did with Marvin. hmm Because <laughs> that guy loved demons, didn't he? <laughs> he did. And
1: he had some hair-raising
0: stories to tell as well, honestly. Yeah. Because, <laughs> again, when I think about it, it's quite odd. Uh, I've never intentionally worked on my own with the demon. Right. After After hearing your stories and then... What I've seen myself participating in rituals hmm. uh, I've never seen the point But um, yes we did this working with Marvin So there was the three of us We were in a circle Marvin had gone to the trouble of painting The traditional circle On a piece of cloth A large piece of cloth yeah, uh, Which made it portable Which is um, a nice practical tip You can paint the traditional stuff On something that you can take with you Right so We had the circle We had the triangle one thing I remember about this working is that we went to the supermarket looking for a suitable offering right for the working and Marvin had decided he was going to evoke the the main man himself Lucifer. Right. So I was intrigued about this. It's like Lucifer's some variation of the devil, isn't he? Yeah. So it's the it's the chief guy, right? So I was I was curious about what what the ritual uh, would entail if that's the case and if it would be any different from working with some other Kind of spirit, and so we were looking for a suitable offering, and he and he wanted to make an offering of a piece of meat, yeah, like that. A and hunk of flesh, a, yeah, a <laughs> hunk of flesh. And uh, as we're looking in the meat section, I saw a—I think it was a piece of beef, mm. something like that—and mm. it and it cost six pounds sixty six pence. <laughs> and and uh, the reason I remember this is because Marvin was so uptight, he didn't want to spend that much money on the offering. But I managed to convince him that it was a synchronicity you couldn't overlook. Yeah. Right. Imagine that £6.66. It's a bit too much. Yeah. For an offering to an entity that's supposed to help him transition from one country to another. Because that's what he was doing. He was leaving the country, wasn't he? Yes. So there's the circle. We were all stood in the circle. Marvin's the operator. So he's doing the conjuration and all of that. And we're just along for the ride. But I remember the, it got to the point where the demon is supposed to manifest in the, tr- in the triangle. And I've observed this a number of times. Right, mm-hmm. You get to that point, and it's as if nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's as if nothing has happened. <laughs> Almost as if, do you know what? You, you best leave the circle and just check the triangle. Yeah. Or uh, maybe we just call it a day and leave the <laughs> circle and go and do something else. <laughs> right? It's a precarious place to be. And if you're ever going to do stuff, of, stuff of this nature, it's like you wanna, you wanna spend some time remaining in that circle and going over the conjuration again, because every single time that's ever happened, it turns out that it's already in the triangle. Yeah, it's just pretending not to be there. Right. <laughs> anyway, so that happened. Marvin repeats the uh, conjuration, and then I was suddenly overwhelmed with an emotional state. Okay. And it, and it was curious to note. Because uh, it was such a strong impression. And the feeling that welled up inside me was, as cliched as it might be, uh, pride. Right. Looking at it now, it was just pride. It was like an arrogance or a pride. But it was a sudden uh, urge to uh, walk out of the circle and into the triangle to teach Lucifer a lesson. <laughs> to show Lucifer, you know, he's he's messing with a magician he shouldn't mess with. Right? Who's, yeah. who's really in charge? I'm in charge, right? So this this it was a sudden overwhelming sense of pride. I call it pride now, but um, you know, like at the time, it felt like a determination or a. Um, it, it was clearly irrational. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. Now, surely, uh, now, surely, uh, Alan, you know, how can yeah. I put this delicately? Um, yes. <laughs> it's interesting. Why bother?
0: <laughs> Why bother, Dunk? <laughs>
1: It's interesting, isn't it? Because you know, maybe that's not a million miles away from something you would do, is it?
0: Well, that's the thing. So, so I mean, obviously, I ha-
1: obviously, you wouldn't do it in this context.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, it doesn't make any sense from a practical viewpoint. Why would you walk into a triangle? Yeah. Right. Like, if are you going to teach it who's boss, you would just you berate it, wouldn't you, and burn its sigil in a box and wave your dagger menacingly at it and that kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes no sense. But certainly, you know the idea of being a combatant magician was already in there, and mm. it was exacerbated, and there was a very strong impression that I should act on it, mm. almost as if there was something
1: that tapped into a possible tendency that you might have under other circumstances yeah, you, know, for you sure. know it's quite subtle, isn't it,
0: yeah, and it was a very strong impression, yeah, and um I mean thankfully, I wrestled you I'll to say- the ground. <laughs> you had to hold me down (laughs) no sadly the opposite sadly the opposite i was going to say thankfully i'm not easily swayed by strong impressions but i actually don't understand why you would act on that no matter how strong the impression is but yes I, i observed it in myself and thought that's interesting a sudden compulsion to do something crazy yeah that's that's of the same nature of the as the as the demon that's been conjured and it's like playing on a um, uh, a possible character weakness Or something like that like you mentioned
2: mm.
0: You know there's, there's something in there Because at the time it, we were very much Concerned with or at least I was very much Concerned with practical magic like how do you How do you do this stuff mm. um, How does it Work that kind of a thing So th- what that made me aware of Was y- y- you may have a Circle and you may have a triangle But to think That the conjuring of a demon or an entity of any description really, is limited to you know a geographical location i e the space in the triangle is a naive way of thinking about what magical practices or what conjuration is because in some senses it's uh, the incarnation of that entity across um, uh, multiple facets of the available means of manifestation. At a given time. So what I mean by oh, that is, right, yeah. yes, you might you might have physical stuff that happens, change in temperature. Uh, you might hear things. You might see stuff. Uh, you could see stuff in smoke if you've provided that as a means for the demon to manifest, or in a in a black mirror with the with the candles. Yeah. Um, but it's also going to manifest in terms of tendencies, emotional states, uh, relationships, uh, events, circumstances, so that the, the the incarnation of the entity is is something that's more of a, a gestalt than it is a, what we might expect from a materialistic viewpoint, yeah. which is, you know, some wishy-washy sense of, uh, I don't know, like a transparent materialistic body in a triangle. Yeah. Something like that. That's really interesting.
1: So, you know, as you say, any available means of manifestation is is going to be possibly... Be taken advantage of and and part of that is our experience of ourselves so our experience of ourselves in that moment can be part of the manifestation and like we noted earlier you know there might have been an attitude there that's not a million miles away from something you would have done in other
0: circumstances but it's but but with demons it's always the worst version of it and i can't help but also notice that reciprocal nature with the relationship because um, the working itself was taking place backed by an ethos that was that had something to do with accumulating magical power, because Marvin was also very much like that wasn 't he? yeah, in some way I had sympathies with that, uh but performing magic with a certain kind of arrogance was in there, already baked in yeah and it and it goes and it goes both ways in in some ways, you could say what I experienced was appropriate, and what else would I expect if we thought about the magical working as a mirror hmm. you know and i 'm getting what i 'm asking for. Yeah so i'm doing it with these with these motivations unexamined and then they're being revealed yeah disclosed
1: and then again um, you know contrast yeah. that with the sorts of manifestations if you can call it that of divine you know entities gods the divine mm. you know it's so so different isn't it so what we're talking about there is um a tendency in ourselves that maybe in some sense be in common with with the entity you know being magnified being congealed you know something that's already there becoming stronger and contrast that with the sorts of experiences that you'll tend to have when you're working with gods or or the divine you know it's completely the opposite isn't it where tendencies um preferences you know they all get swept away
0: Mm. but i'm i'm struck by the fact that just like the cash yeah that was laid out before you had the same nature as the demon or the demonic working that you did, yeah, inescapably that was an immoral aspect to it. It's dirty. It's but, corrupt. Yeah, yeah. But in addition, you have a choice. You're presented with something demonic in nature, right. and you have a choice, don't you? Do you go with it or not? Yeah. So it can be present, but there's the question of whether or not you lean into it. What choice are you going to make? Yeah. That and that happened with the cash appearing, didn't it? Uh, it happened with me in that circle with Lucifer. What What do I go with? So the demonic might be there, but do I lean into it? Do I say yes and follow it? Or not? Like what's the what's the direction that i go going? With working with something like a divinity or a, or a god, it's a similar thing. You can you can have uh something that's the opposite in nature to being d- demonic. There's still the choice though, isn't there? Yes. Because people can have those encounters, but they don't say yes. Yeah. They still say no for whatever reason.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's something there about it. with a divinity, it's uh, it's a question of saying yes, and with a demon, it's a question of saying no. Because well, we have that choice. Some yeah. people
0: say do the opposite, don't they? Yeah. Some people do the opposite. Those two stories, I think, they highlight that, that idea of the, the the total incarnation of the entity that you're working with, mm. which which is a nice thing to appreciate, and it, and includes things that you might not necessarily keep in mind if you're approaching this uh, naively as someone who's never worked with a demon before which, which is the fact of the operation itself might be the result of forces unknown at play Yeah, in your life that have arranged circumstances in such a way that you end up doing that working and it's not the other way around Yeah, as we often presume.
1: And is there the, the beginning perhaps of some sort of argument for not doing magic not needing to do magic because of that aspect of total incarnation
0: I think this comes back to um, one of the things one of the only things I would change about what we did when we were writing The Baptist Head Hmm. and um, perhaps one of the faults with Advanced Magic for Beginners, the book that I wrote in uh, 2006, 2007 something like that yeah, around then I, I think I would have more of a hesitancy in encouraging people to have a goal, hmm. because because one of the sad things is over time recognizing that a lot a lot of people can't navigate this space in a way that is wise. Hmm. And when I say wise, I just mean being willing to look at what's what's actually happening having an open mind to see the details as they unfold uh regardless of what our preferences might be yeah you know so like some of these stories they involve people who've done very silly things but they're not willing to see that they've done that yeah. and they will continue to repeat the same mistakes and that is a recipe for disaster isn't it yeah
1: it's so difficult though because i know that I wouldn't have taken the path I did if i hadn't made those mistakes,
0: but it's not making the mistakes that's the problem it's the it's the not repeating them <laughs> part it's the not repeating them part, yeah, but we repeat them until we don't don't we or until we can't mm. when i when I was young when I was like sixteen something like that um in uh uh, in this, in this, I think it was a market, an indoor market, somewhere. I found um, in a collection of books. I think it was it was some Crowley book. I can't I can't remember now. But I found the book, and then the guy selling the books, he saw that I had it, and he very earnestly said to me, "You shouldn't mess with that stuff. It'll ruin your life. Mm-hmm. Take it from me. Like it, like it. You, you shouldn't dabble with it." And I remember at the time. Maybe this speaks to uh, what we just touched on with Lucifer. I remember at the time thinking, yeah, whatever, old man. <laughs> I didn't I didn't think that. I thought <laughs> I remember thinking, you have to cut that bit out because I didn't actually think that. <laughs> I remember thinking well, I did it for comedic comedic effect. I remember thinking, yeah, yeah, whatever. That might apply to other people, but I think I'm gonna be okay. Mm. Right. And um I think I have been okay. I think you've been okay. Mm. I think we've done okay, Dunk. <laughs> It could have been worse. It could have been worse. I think, yeah. But you think about the number of people that we know, for whom it's not been okay. Yeah, yeah. Vast majority. Yeah. Vast majority. People do. They don't take it seriously. They do silly things. They don't learn from the silly things, and it's a nosedive, isn't it, into the ground? And we know. um, I mean, I know a, a lot of people who, they spend some time with occultism and that kind of a thing. And, they, and after a certain amount of time, they quickly move on to some other tradition mm. like Buddhism or Taoism or something like that mm. um, because most of the behavior around occultism is unwise. Yeah, yeah questionable. So, yeah, if there was one thing I, would, I might change or I might dampen down a bit, it might be the enthusiasm <sighs> that we expressed in our earlier work. Perhaps. But at the same time, I want to mm. say this. If you, if, if you are called... <laughs> and you do you do have open eyes go for it <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't encourage you more the miracle is real but i think what you're saying is do
1: do it quickly aren't you you know don't don't get into these loops i mean like like you were saying you know i've sometimes had uh, emails from people who have run into some sort of um demonic attachment and the thing that always amazes me, and it's always there. You know, incredible as it may seem, is the person concerned doesn't want to let go of this thing, whatever it is. Mm.
0: Yeah. As soon
1: as you start to suggest that, you know, you'll hit resistance. So strange. Mm.
0: Which might suggest that there are other avenues within which these forces are at play that aren't explicitly magical. Mm. Like, there are variations of events where you might meet with a demon... That, that isn't the magician in a robe In a circle with a triangle mm. But the same choice is being presented yeah. Do you say yes or no And leaning in a certain direction Leads to a deepening of that that Transmission if you like Or that lineage Yeah,
1: And it has some of the dynamics of addiction about it I think that's inescapable mm.
0: Yeah Okay Duncan do you remember Speaking of arrogance and stupidity <laughs> And a lack of wisdom Do you remember the time we took it upon ourselves to to I mean the hubris to think that we could liberate a demon. Do you remember when we yeah. thought we would try and liberate a demon? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? And and we <laughs> concocted a ritual to do this. Was it at midnight on a Bronze Age hill fort?
1: Uh, at Lamas, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. And we evoked a goetic demon right, and then attempted to liberate that demon using was it the Tibetan Book of the Dead?
1: Um, I can't remember I don't think it was but it was some text you'd found prostrations wasn't it to various Tibetan Buddhist spirits God it went on for ages and ages wasn't it it did and it was absolutely terrifying as well well
0: it was at midnight you know and evoked a demon
1: yeah and the descriptions of these uh, entities that we were invoking to protect and exercise the demon were hardly less scary than the demon itself
0: yeah yeah (laughs) Now, you can see that there were good intentions mm. and we wanted to see if it was a thing. It
1: it was, again, wasn't it? It was an experiment. We were mucking about, weren't we? See what would happen.
0: Yes, and it was the, it was the question around the relationship between demons and enlightenment mm. or realisation. It was something like that. Yeah, I mean, as I yeah.
1: recall, we mm. were going to see if we could liberate this demon yeah. and then see what happened. You know, see if, like... Ever afterwards, any magician that attempted to work with this entity wouldn't get any results,
0: you know, because we'd liberated <laughs> it. Yeah. Oh man, the stupidity. So we did the working, didn't we? We uh, I remember we used to use glow sticks to make the triangle. Yeah. And again, more DIY. Um. But during the working, there was no uh, untoward effects, were there? Except we were uh, terrified. Well, you might be terrified. I, was, uh... oh,
1: I remember the thing that stayed with me, which was the most yeah. scary thing of all, was we were up there in the pitch dark on top of the Iron Age hill fort mm. in the middle of nowhere. And I could tell from the sound of your voice
2: <laughs>
1: that, yeah. you, that you were scared. I wasn't... <laughs> and I think, Whatever. I think that's, that's not... I think that's the only <laughs> time... I've ever heard. You were scared, and then I started to think. Well, if he's scared, what am I? I doing probably,
0: here? I probably had, I was probably hungover and had a cold. Scared. Maybe we did film this, so maybe we have to make the 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 footage publicly viewable, so people, <laughs> so I can defend my honor. Right. Anyway, so um, yes, we did the working. There was, this, if I remember correctly, because it was some years ago, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I do remember the sense that there was something, it was in the triangle. I remember that. I do remember the sense, the feeling that I had when I was doing the prostrations and and reciting through the Tibetan stuff was, um, uh, you you know, like a child being lectured or a teenager being lectured that's having to endure, you know, something extremely tedious and annoying, right? And they're just waiting for it to end. (laughs) Like, I had that feeling, that vibe. And, uh, you know, I don't blame the demon for that. The shit hit the fan the next day, didn't it? I think it was the next day or the day after, something like that. So we'd finished the working, and then I think I, I went back to London. You were in Brighton, weren't you? Yeah. And then, um, I think, was it the next day when the bad stuff started to happen? What I experienced was um, I, I suddenly developed um, an ectopic heartbeat. Right, yeah. Like with palpitations or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, like like uh um uh well then you might have said that that maybe I would have sounded scared. <laughs> Cuz that induces a certain kind of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh but that I remember that went on for like the next day. You know, and it was sufficiently bad that I had to go to the doctors with it uh and get checked out. And and in the end it turned out that it you know it wasn't anything. Um but what happened to you? Something happened to you. I can't remember. You don't remember it was something bad. When I look at the uh
1: written version that I left. I've written the next morning I woke from an intensely personal and turbulent dream, the like of which I'd not experienced in ages. So there must have been some personal emotional stuff going on.
0: I remember you saying that it impacted on your life in a number of ways for like a day or two. Mm. Yeah, and I had this uh this this heart thing. You know, I can't help but note that it had that flavour a demonic flavour and that and that not so much it was retribution for attempting to do something that, that it turns out you can't do mm. you know from the demon. But that it merely it was commensurate with the nature of the demon in question. And and that kind of working. Yeah. It's like being tortured. It was like we were both being tortured in some way some way mm. Mm. or other. Yeah. Now at the time I did wonder did we simply fail to do it correctly? Right? Or is there a bigger question around what the nature of a demon is and whether or not um, you can liberate someone or something uh, against its will?
1: We gave it a try and we found out, didn't we? We tried to liberate a demon and both of us underwent experiences afterwards that might be described as a kind of torment.
0: Which probably indicates, doesn't it, that it's probably misguided to try and liberate something that has a nature contrary to liberation. Yeah. So what might be instructive is to consider a story involving what we might call exorcism. Right, Or okay. the liberation of a human being. Yeah. So we both took part in a ritual, didn't we, a few years ago. Yeah. That involved one particular participant whose name, for the sake of the telling of this story, shall be Chardonnay, whom volunteered to play the role... Of a channel Mm. Because she had this uh, alleged skill Of being able to enter a deep trance Yeah To allow entities to speak through her And uh, and apparently she was so good at it That she would often forget the details of what had even happened Yeah,
1: yeah I mean, I saw her actually do this, you know On a Mm. number of occasions, yeah
0: Now I have to say, from the outset Hearing this, described as a magical virtue raised alarm bells for me Uh because I think that although you often hear that a sign of deep possession or trance work is amnesia Mm -hmm. on the contrary from my own experience right, taking part in various different kinds of rituals including magical practices from the African diaspora Mm -hmm. where I've personally experienced and witnessed many of the things claimed by possession work Mm -hmm. that might seem miraculous that amnesia should not be a feature Mm -hmm. and if it is a feature that's because of uh, usually something to do with if we were to take a psychological view trauma in the past Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that said it
1: can be i mean I, i understand what you're saying but it can be compelling to see somebody being able to access those sorts of states they're they're obviously very dramatic very intense and when I think about my own efforts at channeling entities you know the the sorts of things me and you have done where I'm sitting there in some sort of trance saying oh I see something it looks it looks a bit like a (laughs) snail and now I think I think the letter M and and (laughs) you know seeing somebody who can just like drop into something um manifest something so mm. so intense you know just to say that, mm. uh, that it's understandable that that people would regard that as as something impressive
0: yeah and i would just like to add this detail though it might be worth pondering whether or not the nature of a state and what happens to the person in that state cannot be separated from the relationship that that person has with a particular kind of entity mm. so what i mean by that is if there is someone for whom it's possible to fall into deep trance, right, and they, and they don't remember the details, hmm. is what's speaking through them what it claims to be? Or is there something else going on that that person has a deep relationship with that goes into the past, back to uh, what in Magia we would call um, moments of uh, false transmission?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And invariably that involves trauma of some description. Yeah. So I'm just I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, yeah. That that perhaps perhaps we can't separate states and capacities from relationships with entities of whatever description.
1: Yeah, and undoubtedly there seems to there seems to be a strong correlation between experience of trauma and having those sorts of abilities, you know, to go into mm. trance um and to allow yourself very readily to be overwhelmed by mm. by other presences
0: well i'll just say at this juncture without going into too much detail there is the suggestion that there are magical lineages constituted primarily around that dynamic yeah the use of trauma for working with particular entities yeah so that wouldn't be a surprise
1: yeah and and yeah. maybe one way of characterizing trauma is as an encounter with something that by definition we can't have a relationship to. So when we have trauma, we're overwhelmed by something. It just bursts into us. You know, we're completely undefended against it. So, Mm. well, there there isn't the possibility of, you know, being able to negotiate some sort of relationship with it. You know, that's often what happens in in Mm. any therapeutic work that perhaps takes place after trauma you know it's like yeah. it's like trauma is like the doors being thrown open and something entering mm. you know you don't get to pick and choose do you
0: yeah but i would add, i would add a qualifier to that the thing that's entering is always malevolent mm. well why so, why else would it would it be where it is why why would it want to enter yeah. you? but i mean in one sense we can think about everything that we're talking about as explicit magical acts mm-hmm. as great analogies for understanding other experiences that we have that don't look explicitly magical Mm-hmm. So on the one hand it, it might be obvious if there was some kind of traumatic experience with an entity of some description. But you know even if you have a traumatic experience like a car crash
2: mm.
0: or um an experience that looks mundane mm. but it but it leads to something like PTSD or trauma. Yeah. Behind the appearances there is this dynamic of something that can only be described as malevolent coming into contact with that person. Yeah. And it's and it's precisely that malevolent aspect that, that defines the um, what you said that inability to have a relationship with yeah. what's happened yeah. and not, not just because they can't accommodate it you know like it's not just because it's an overwhelming and confusing experience mm-hmm. it's because it implies a, a malevolence that we don't have sufficient capacity to deal with mm-hmm. Yeah, at least that's what I would say from my experience of having the, uh, you know, the opportunity and the good grace to work with a number of people who've experienced trauma
1: Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah. it sounds like what you're what you're suggesting there and you know i I don't disagree with it i think is the the nature of trauma is it's necessary always an encounter with evil yeah yeah like you know whether that comes in the form of uh, some sort of entity or or like you're saying a car crash you know how how is it that Mm -hmm. life can be so so appalling so awful that we're confronted with something like this
0: yeah, and we're back to that idea aren't we of um demons being demonic. <laughs> just to say at this point because because some people can struggle with the idea of just using that term evil. Yeah. Yeah. Like things are good and bad. There's no such thing as evil really. <laughs> right. But say that to someone who's experienced trauma. Yeah, and you should start by respecting the details where 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 you know where someone's soul comes into contact with the details of their own life you have to begin in terms of the work you have to begin by honouring the integrity of their own experience even if it goes against your um, cultural preferences or uh, ideology yeah. that might that might tell you or come up with good arguments for why there might not be a such, such a thing as evil
1: I suppose people might resist that idea that there is such a thing as evil perhaps from a Perspective of, you know, it seems to contradict a notion that this is the best of all possible worlds. <laughs> um,
0: well, uh, the, <laughs> the existence of malevolence, though, might be evidence of that.
1: Yes, yeah. But, but that's pretty counterintuitive, isn't it? And, and the other possible objection is that evil implies a, a kind of intention, you know, mm. that the, the, there are things out there that have um, bad intentions aimed at us. Yeah. I think those are the those are the things that that people find difficult because mm. because it seems that those come along with the notion of evil.
0: Yeah. I mean one thing we can say is that if you don't think there's such a thing as the demonic or the evil you might end up evoking it and then and then sticking your head in a triangle <laughs> <laughs> as a result of that. So, circling back round to our story. Mm. So, Chardonnay with the aid of an attendant hypnotist, right, was was put into a trance so that we could work with a very particular god.
1: Mm. You, yeah, you can't have enough of those, can you, attendant hypnotists? But anyway, yeah.
0: <laughs> no. But instead of having communication with the god in question, with the divinity in question, mm. there was something else already packed, if we can use that term, in Chardonnay. Now I remember at the time doing the invocation of the god. Yeah. I remember sensing the divinity, but I also remember sensing it uh, not moving. It stayed where it was. And then I remember seeing the s- something else, this other entity, already within uh, Chardonnay. I remember seeing that in, in terms of a vision.
2: Mm.
0: And the entity uh, was demonic in nature. Yeah. And it proceeded to speak, didn't it?
1: Yeah, very directly.
0: Yeah, do you remember the kinds of stuff that it said? Who are you? I remember that. <laughs> it was something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. In fact, didn't it say something like, not you? Right. Not you. I remember asking it a question, it was like, not you. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Anyway, it spouted off your usual exorcist stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised the head didn't revolve and vomit fly across the room. Yeah. but and, uh Yeah, and, yeah. In,
1: and in those kinds of remarks and reactions, there's a blocking, isn't there? it was something getting in the way we knew we weren't going to get any sensible answers out of it we knew with this entity mm. we weren't going to be able to do what we wanted to yeah. do
0: yeah now we brought the operation to a close didn't we mm. and we then had the opportunity to speak with Chardonnay yeah
1: and she couldn't remember what what she said or what had happened could she
0: right right but she would in this circumstance uh, a retreat had been taking place i'd gatecrashed this retreat that you were on yeah and doing this particular kind of meditation practice, Chardonnay had been experiencing waking terrors. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's like having a waking nightmare, isn't it? Mm. So there's so there's a visionary component to it, like having a dream. You're in a state of terror, being terrorized by something in this dream. Right. Something like that, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So she'd been having those during the retreat, and um, there was a chance just to ask her questions and to explore the nature of this entity that presented itself. And we arrived at a crucial moment. I can't remember if it was you or the attendant hypnotist who asked her a question which is which was um uh would you like this entity to be gone? Yeah, do you remember it that way?
1: Yeah, we yeah, Just Yeah, I mean yeah. you know, we, we offered to do a magical working or, or, or something, you know, if she wanted to 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 help move this thing on.
0: Yeah. And then do you remember what she said?
1: No thank you. <laughs>
0: I remember at the time being very baffled. Why would you consciously choose to retain a relationship with an entity that terrorises you?
1: Yeah, and I share your bafflement because, you know, I've come across this more than once in the past. But it's always baffled me how when you get to the point where, you know, you say, right, let's do something about this, you know, let's, let's do a working, let's do a banishing whatever it is, people will say no. They they start no. to come up with excuses. It is really strange. You know, there is a dynamic here that's similar to the dynamics of addiction. You know, you don't want to give up the thing that's ruining your life because, you know, it seems that it's the only possibility.
0: If we were going to draw an analogy between those two, it's obvious, isn't it, that if you're addicted to something that's destroying your life, Mm. there's some pleasure involved. Yeah. Well, that's the thing
1: that's difficult to discern. In some of the cases I've come across, people are in quite serious distress. You know, this thing Mm. is frightening, um, it's persecuting. Often it might come along with um, not very pleasant physical sensations in the body, you know, even even quite extreme pain sometimes. Why wouldn't Mm. you want to let go of something like that?
0: I think to understand it, um, you have to put it in context, which is when by the time you've encountered someone in that situation, where it's obvious that there's some kind of demonic working going on of yeah. some description, and this person is saying yes to it, right? So there's no getting rid of it unless the person wants to get rid of it. Right? By the time you meet that person in that circumstance, there's been a long development wh- that's led to that moment. For malevolence to intentionally attack that which is innocent mm-hmm. requires the malevolence to experience innocence or that, or that which is perceived to be good or vulnerable or something like that uh, as an attack on its own being and for it to get to that point there has to be a development that, that begins initially with some sense of uh, resentment or revenge or the playing out of self-righteous anger or something like that so for instance, if you experience something that you that you would describe as unjust, yeah, you have an option which is you you can lean into the tendency to want revenge, right, and and the justified anger because often it seems justified, or you can recognize that it's there and maybe do something else about it, go in a different direction. But if you do lean into it and you play it out, over time that becomes that uh, like contraction grows and becomes deeper and deeper and it only takes very small steps that violate your conscience, only slightly, based on the perceived injustice that you've uh, um, had to endure. Mm. Right, it only takes those little steps to accumulate eventually to a point where the person thinks that what it is that they're doing, which you describe as malevolent, is um, perfectly normal, it's normalized. Mm. Right, but there is another key step that's required, and that is if you if you follow that trajectory, someone or something else will come along to provide you with with another transmission, another false transmission in this lineage that moves in the opposite direction to following what we would call the thread, right? And it and it's really then that the person can experience uh, what we call the innocence or vulnerability as an attack on their own being, because at that point we would say they're now. Um, Uh, a lost soul a a shadow in a shadow Mm -hmm. could put it that way I've had the opportunity to work with uh, a number of students who've come into contact with malevolence in their own family and seen how that contact with the malevolence has acted like a false transmission such that they have false beliefs about themselves but it's always as um, uh, a problem that plays out as a shadow but they still understand that there's uh, there's an up and there's a down Mm-hmm. They still understand what it's like to be a normal person and then when they're contracted into this role or this shadow that they got from this encounter with malevolence. So you can still do something about it. But if you have a shadow in a shadow and that takes some development and some cultivation, you can no longer tell up from down. And anything that intrudes is... Um, uh, seem to be the opposite of what it is. All right. And that leads to intentional malevolence. The intentional... Conscious targeting of the innocent and the vulnerable. Yeah. I can appreciate that everything that I'm saying here might sound like I'm trying out an opinion or, um, you know, this is guesswork or, uh, you know, a theory about things. It paints a different picture of reality, doesn't it? And um, what you think might be possible, especially if you think there's no such thing as evil. But this view that I'm presenting is something that, um, has disclosed itself uh, merely through the willingness to see mm. you know of myself and, and all of the you know the hundreds of people that i've had the privilege of working with um, mm. it 's what you end up seeing and it explains a lot like the person in the story the path that you take is in your hands, and no one can make that decision for you, so you can 't exercise a, a demon whose nature is to say no to the divine and yes to the revenge to the malevolence. Mm. In the same way that you can't free someone or liberate someone from a relationship with an entity who has decide, decided to say yes to that nature and to that to the playing out of that, um, mm. that sense of revenge or that anger. If you ask someone, would you like to get rid of this demon? It's like asking them, would you like to let go of your self-justified anger?
1: Mm. I'm not understanding... How this works as a relationship I can see something something nasty happens to somebody You know, injustice mm. in your example yep. And they contract from that And by gradations A kind of self-righteousness builds inside them
0: Based on a false conclusion They've just drawn about themselves and the nature of the world Yeah yeah. That they then play out. Yeah, but I, yeah. but I don't
1: understand how how this plays out in the context of there being an entity involved.
0: Ah, so well, this is what I was talking about before when I was saying you can look at explicit magical acts, you know, and keep them in their little niche, mm-hmm. and then think of the world and the events in the world as something separate. But they're actually an archetypal way of understanding what's happening in the world all the time. Yeah. Let's put it this way. there's one way of looking at things where all that's happening is encounters with uh, the demonic or the divine Yes yeah and that's what's happening everywhere, all times in every way, and that the entirety of creation has been placed in the hands of the created, human beings, mm-hmm. and each person has the sovereign divine inheritance to choose the direction that creation takes in terms of their own world. And that the person that's ended up in a position where they are they can act in a malevolent way, and that could take different forms
1: but but the people but the people we're talking about aren't acting in a malevolent way, are they not no because you know the people I'm thinking of they're distressed, they're in pain they're they're suffering from from what they're experiencing, and they're wanting relief from that and and this is why I'm wondering you know how how what you're talking about um Play, mm. plays out in the context of a relationship with, with a demon.
0: Yeah, well I can say this Chardonnay mm-hmm. behaved in a way that was malevolent
1: Well, that needs some qualification.
0: <laughs> it does because you, people think of malevolence as like, you know, someone committing murder mm. or something like this but ma- malevolence simply means an attack on something that's ideal or or by ideal I mean displays virtues, you know that which appears to be good,
2: mm.
0: right? Wherever that is present, it needs to be attacked intentionally, right? Now you were taking part in a retreat, a spiritual practice, mm. right? What sabotaged that retreat? Mm. What destroyed the working that we were doing? What caused that retreat to end prematurely?
2: Mm.
0: So that doesn't so that it brought an end to wherever that was going, that spiritual development. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's malevolent to intentionally destroy something. Yeah. that was leading in a certain direction. So, so, whose is the malevolence—the demon
1: or the person possessed by the demon? I mean, that's what I'm wondering about here, because we've, we've got this this idea, aren't we, of two parties? You know, and and I mean, from my perspective, you know, if it, so, there's two parties, and so that demands that we look at it in a relational way. So, mm. the sort of people I've um talked to about this sort of thing that that baffling moment where they won't let go of the attachment Mm. you know in relational terms it's always seemed to me like well if they did they'd be lonely you know something has has moved its way into their life like you were describing by gradations you know maybe over a long period of time Mm. and there's an intimate relationship there and and if this thing did this phenomena did stop, you know, the sense I get is that must on some level be unbearable to them. They would be
0: alone. And that uh demands your sympathy, doesn't it?
1: Well it might be an attempt to elicit sympathy.
0: <laughs> the cliche with therapy and with spiritual practice is that it's the perfect breeding ground for narcissists. Because you get to talk about your problems all of the time, don't you? And mm. give the impression that you're doing something about it. <laughs> right. Now, I'm giving that as an example just to illustrate a point, yeah. which is yeah. the person that ends up malevolent, even when they're malevolent, are doing so because they're still following a perverted sense of what they think is good. Right. And it's precisely the good intentions that can be, e- that can be used to easily manipulate people just to take one more little step into the darkness. Mm. Just just one more little breach of your conscience. It's only small, right? And that's the that's exactly what a demon does. It entices you, doesn't it, in a direction. Mm. That's exactly what it does. And that's the thing that's the thing about working with demons. We've used it in the magical examples. The cash example. Mm. What's wrong with you getting cash? Isn't that good? Mm. It's a good thing. <laughs> People need cash, don't they? <laughs> the guy dropped the cash. He's probably got so much cash. I mean, who carries that much cash around with them? He's probably got so much cash. Does he really need it? Mm. Does he really need it? Maybe we should redistribute wealth. What about... Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Like, he's probably some greedy CEO or something like that, right? So, you could just take that cash, couldn't you? You could, but... What's wrong, but, What's wrong yeah. with that? But then...
1: Right. Yeah, well, you're stealing, and yeah. you're taking something that's not yeah. been offered. You know, it's, it's yeah. not ethical, but, right?
0: But... In that situation, it seem a stretch, wouldn't it, to say that you are malevolent and your intentions yes. were malevolent. Yeah. Even if you took the cash. Yeah. You'd say, mm, not. You'd re- I mean, come on. It's a bit of a stretch, <laughs> right? But once you've done that, what comes next? It's always just little steps. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that's exactly how demons appear. It's a carrot on a stick, and it will lead you against your conscience and get you to destroy yourself. Yeah. So you so you work with demons, right? They they it just so happens the demons turn up in your life for you to do magical working with demons. What good fortune. <laughs> you do a working. It's only a little breach of your conscience, just a little, right? And then all of a sudden you need to use de- the same demon again probably, or demons for another circumstance that's turned up. Oh well, best use, best use those demons. Best use them. And then <laughs> one little step after another. Right, and it would be it would be um, if you took if you take one instance and say, even if you talk to the person, they seem reasonable and nice, mm. but they've done these questionable things, and then you wonder why why are they still doing these things? Can't they see? Can't they see the bad outcomes that are happening?
1: Yeah, yeah. I suppose I think what I'm struggling with is it's yeah. difficult to describe somebody choosing malevolence or being malevolent. When it is a choice, I think that's the difficulty yeah. I'm having, because yeah, because yes. I've also come across examples where people have made a different choice, mm, and i've come yeah. I've come across this a few times, it's curious um it's often been people who are starting out on some sort of spiritual practice, and you know they'll have been meditating for a while and and they've started doing the work and they've started getting in there and they will start to experience entities cropping up um not explicitly demonic perhaps but mm. um a strong sense of presence something uncanny something scary that that gets in the way of their meditation um you know that stops them concentrating or leads them astray you know going into other sort of activities or behaviors and what I generally do in these sorts of cases is suggest, you know, some basic magical workings. Um, mm. Just suggest kind of leaning into the fear in the meditation and exploring the fear. You know, and, and usually these things these things will go. But there is often a tendency to kind of reify them, you know, to start in like setting up an altar to this entity. Um, you know, giving it a name, worshipping it. Um, you know, you can see that tendency is there, yeah. in potential. Worship is a great word, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, worship is a great word because we we have this idea of worship, which would be to explicitly, you know, celebrate and, uh, mm. uh, and and bow at the feet of some entity. But there's a way of thinking about worship where through your actions you demonstrate, whether you understand it or not, what you hold up to be the highest, mm. and and so you could talk about worship in that way. That's what the demon gets you to do, yeah, using your good intentions to worship something that is <laughs> demonic <laughs> that is the opposite of what it is you profess to care about yeah so so I mean again, coming back to those examples, it would be it would be crazy to say our friend Marvin was uh you know intentionally malevolent,
2: mm. Mm.
0: because he could easily have intended something else. <laughs> How do you mean?
1: Well, he could have not done that. You know, and um, the same in all the cases we've talked about. Chardonnay, she could have, she could have said yes.
0: All oh, right, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah, yes, but that that choice, like our friend Marvin, if you spoke to him, very nice guy, mm. right? Mm. It'd, it'd be difficult to say he had malevolent intentions. But what would it have been like to be on the end of his anger? Right, and it's a it's a choice that's made, isn't it, to lean into that and to pursue it and to play it out. Like a carrot on a stick it's self justified you only lean into anger if you think it's justified, don't you yeah you've you've been subject to something and it needs correcting yeah right and yeah. and yeah how many how many fits of anger do you need before you've reached a position where where you're doing something crazy that you would never have dreamt of doing you know a few years back i'm I'm thinking of one example where Marvin almost used a bag of martial arts weapons on a member of the public who was having an argument with a bus driver. <laughs> <laughs> Should we leave that in? I don't know. Maybe maybe cut that out. I don't know. It's all in the edit, Duncan. You can't leave this bit in, me saying this. You cannot... <laughs> you can't do that.
1: And maybe another thing that I'm struggling with is in the interactions between a human and a demon, you would probably assume that the demon is the evil one... <laughs> And he's trying to corrupt the human. But there's malevolence on both sides here in what you're talking about, isn't there? There's, there's the demon leading somebody astray and then there's the human making that choice to be led astray. Yeah. And both, it sounds to me, you know, you're know, you describing as instances of malevolence.
0: We can take all instances of demons as particular expressions of of one fundamental entity, couldn't we, that has the same... That has the universal characteristics of what we find with demons, yeah and that and that is using your good intentions, they will fool you into choosing to destroy yourself
1: right okay,
0: yes right yes and and any other instance of what might be good in the world, yeah, right, to burn creation down yeah. <laughs>
1: but what that implies yeah. is, is that humans mm. and demons are not malevolent in the same way I think i've got got now to what 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 was causing me trouble because because humans have a choice don't they and and demons don't
0: well d- demons would be an example of the end point wouldn't they of where that path leads for a human being right which is initiating other humans into the same lineage right right so when you have contact with a malevolent person yeah that affects you in such a way that you draw conclusions about yourself based on that experience, which is like a false transmission Yeah, that leads you in a certain direction. But And if you lean into it, there will be further developments. Other people will come along. There will be. And it would deepen it. Yes, there yeah. will
1: be. But, n- then, yeah. but the demon does not represent an end point in the sense that a human will end up like a demon because, I'm assuming, for a human, there's always yeah. a way back. And there isn't for a demon, you know, as we established through that working. You can't liberate so, a demon.
0: You see, we've, we've touched on this before. <laughs> and um, I don't think it made it into the final edit when we were talking about narcissists. Right. right which is, we have limited opportunities as human beings. And once, you, once you've become a lost soul, right, <sighs> yeah. once you're at the point when you're a genuinely malevolent person, yeah. there is no way back. Right, you've made your choice. Like you've made your choice. Mm. It takes a long time to get there. Do you know? It's commensurate with waking up. How long does it take to go through that whole process? and awakening, awakening isn't the case of it's. It's not one event, is it? That just happens. It's a. It's a lifetime. Mm. It's a long progression. And it's like it's like saying you could end up deluded again in this lifetime. Correcting false beliefs uh, means that they you can't make that mistake again. Yeah. Right. It doesn't your delusion doesn't grow back. Now you do have deeper and deeper and and more grand delusions <sighs> that you will encounter. Right? You just, <laughs> the more awake you are, the bigger the delusion is you have to deal with next. <laughs> but it but it's commensurate in that sense. So this leads to the possible end point for a demon, right? Which is the same it's the same end point for a human being. Right? And I have this story of roasting a demon in the fire. So <laughs> tell that story, tell the story of the demon in the fire a while back again, I'll omit some details and ju- just just focus on the important stuff yeah uh, I found myself in a situation where I was dealing with malevolence, um but a situation that involved details that I could have turned away from I could have done things in such a way that i wouldn't be, I wouldn't be exposing myself to it. Uh-huh. But I was following what I've always been following in terms of the work, which is, which is this thread. It was leading in a direction. And trusting that process, right, trusting that thread that I was following, I followed it. And we'll just say circumstances reached a point where the states that were involved, what I was exposed to, was as bad as it could get. Okay. Right. And I'd reached the bottom. It was like sinking into a circle of hell. When I couldn't go any further... I drag myself to my bed to do my practice, to do my magia practice, right, which, uh, which we do lying down. Now, there's a, there's a magia practice called the fire practice. And the reason mm. it's called the fire practice is because there's an analogy for understanding the nature of awakening, which is that awakening is a fire. Now, I say it's an analogy, but it doesn't mean it's a metaphor. Awakening really is a fire. Mm-hmm there are other ways of understanding what it means to wake up. You wake up to a larger reality within which this reality is, is like a dream it's the equivalence of a dream so you wake up from the dream to the larger reality within which this one is arising. Right so awakening as a fire is also a way of describing this larger reality. It's a fire and for the early Christians there was the understanding of God's nature being as a fire mm-hmm. or God's love being like a fire and for the initiate, for the person moving towards God, for the soul that's on that journey uh, it's the fire of awakening, it's the fire of liberation, it's unconditional love It's another way of putting it now as a result of, of um, following this thread for decades, the reality of awakening being a fire is something that's readily apparent when I do my practice mm. and doing my practice I could see all the different elements of the drama that i found myself in all the different states all the different actions of the people involved which involved things like um betrayal you know personal attacks in- intentional malevolence
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the action behind those states we could say sort of coalesced uh and a and a demon appeared mm. now the it was a horrific looking creature and the demon had come for me now there's a question here which is did someone send a demon Mm. there was um circumstantial evidence that that might be the case but i didn't know and it was kind of by the by because here was this demon i do wonder when when magicians work with demons and they get demons to do things for them perhaps it's actually the demon that's doing it Rather than the magician sending the demon, it might appear that way. The demon sent the magician. Mm -hmm. That might be a better way of thinking about it. Because if you work with demons, they're going to, especially if you're incompetent, they're going to um, uh, have a lot of fun with you. And I was still following this thread. It led me to the bottom of this whole drama, as damned as it was going to get. The nature, the damned nature of the drama and all the malevolence involved appeared as this demon. Right, which one comes first? I would say that they're both the same thing. The demon has more of a real nature than the events. And then a a really curious thing happened. Dion Fortune actually describes it in her book, Psychic Self-Defence. But I've heard it described uh, by Alistair Crowley in a particular way. I think it's in Moonchild. Mm. The thing in the
1: garden, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Oh yes, the thing in the garden, right. yeah. Right, there's an idea here that there are two ways of approaching magical combat, if we can put it that way, right? Not to be too cringy. So one of them is that you erect barriers, you know, and then you send out your own demons or entities to do bad things to the person attacking you, you know, or you have warding spells to send their evil energy back to them, this kind of a thing. And that's what most magicians do. For someone who has followed the path In such a way that they've accommodated the opposites within themselves. Right? There's another approach. So Crowley described this from a Taoist perspective. Because he held Chinese wisdom to be the highest form of wisdom. And if you've accommodated the opposites within yourself. It's possible just to simply absorb the demon within yourself. Mm. Without it causing any harm. Now as I've already just described. The Magia equivalent of that is understanding that awakening is a fire. So rather than just thinking it as some kind of vague notion of the way or the Tao, or non-duality, or something like that. Awakening is a fire. Mm. right? Now, that's precisely what happened with the demon. Demons are drawn to extinguish the light of awakening. Yeah. They're drawn to extinguish the ideal, or the good. The malevolent is drawn to attack that which seems innocent and vulnerable. That's That's the dynamic. The end point for a demon, or the malevolent, the end point for a human being who's malevolent, is to return to where everything came from, which we might say is the awake is the is the fire uh-huh. right the fundamental nature of things it's to return there it's going to return there just like we intentionally return there as initiates right but the difference is we've returned there willingly and we've produced fruits along the way mm. that have contributed to something outside of time. I don't want to get too metaphysical right The difference for the people that are malevolent is that they end up experiencing that fire as the fires of hell fires of torment mm. right? as torture and they end up extinguished or annihilated in the fire and all of the things that they've wrought in the world that we might call malevolent are left exactly where they are which is nowhere and nothing comes of it, mm. nothing comes of it but for those initiates that have said yes creation is perpetuated and something th- something is added to that which can't be added to normally mm. I have some talks about this and some material coming out further down the line, so um, I won't say any more about that. But that's what I experienced with the demon. It w- it was extinguished. It was the end point for that demon. Now, was it sent by a person, or was the person sent by the demon? <laughs> was it was the demon pulling the strings behind behind the scenes? Um, I think the answer to all of that is yes. Right, and then whatever happened to the demon would also happen in a commensurate fashion to the people involved. Or will eventually be the destiny, or the fate, rather, of of people following that path. Mm. So another way of putting that is, <laughs> demons can't help sticking their heads in the fire. How did that happen? You know, was 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 it a vision? Did you see? It? Did you see a demon
1: getting burned?
0: <laughs> I saw the demon, and I saw it howling in agony, and I saw it uh, diminish until it was annihilated. Yeah. I'll just say at this point in terms of in terms of experience and it, and it was the same when 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 I observed Chardonnay let's put it that way mm. there comes the possibility from following the thread and through through a series of awakenings you know and growth in that direction it becomes possible to see you could say you can see into a different world mm. right or another domain something like that and there's a spiritual reality to it and then on top of that you have what's traditionally described the astral um but you can have the symbolic or the visionary experience overlaid over the top of that yeah 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 so so when i talked about my experience with chardonnay when i saw the god i could see the 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 spiritual reality of the god and the spiritual reality of what we might call the demon but then overlaid over the top of that the what what it what it would look like astrally speaking what its form would look like yeah I can understand that's pretty vague, and I'm not, and I'm, I'm intentionally not trying to describe the spiritual reality because it won't. Whatever it is that I say will just be misleading. Yeah. But uh, similarly with the demon, it was the same. So there's the spiritual reality, and then and then you get to see the, the the visionary or the astral aspect of that at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I want to make this very really clear. I didn't have to lift a finger. Mm. It wasn't me that roasted the demon, the demon roasted itself. Mm,
2: mm.
0: Yeah, if you if you I just keep my eyes in the same place. It's on this other world, following this thread. And following that thread led me in that direction. It's now leading me in a completely different direction to do something else. Completely different, but it's this I'm just doing the same thing, just doing the same thing. It comes back to that idea of like the highest form of magic ends up looking like something devotional. Mm. Or or again like your eyes on another world.
1: Mm. And it's curious as well how there's some parallelism between that fire of awakening and and trauma, something, something there. I mean, like you were saying, as as initiates, we we go willingly into the fire, and trauma is is being pushed unwillingly into ah. But
0: here's the thing: this is this is the key thing. The demon said yes to roasting itself in the fire. Mm. If if I if I say to you, don't come in here, the room's on fire. But you you hate me so much, you hate the fire so much, you want to try and put it out, and you willingly therefore step in. Right? You can't say that a the, the choice wasn't made. Yeah. That was the sovereign, divine right of all beings to make that choice. Right? Has never been is not denied by the fire. The very nature of the fire itself demonstrates it
1: right, and now i now I understand what you mean by annihilation. Mm. It, it tried to put out the fire, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's going to annihilate you, isn't it yeah. <laughs>